Return of the Max Return of the Max Return of the Max Feel, Been feeling very musical these last uh, few episodes here lately, Remzo uh, By the way, welcome, Remzo Martinez Welcome back to Second Comics. This is my co-host, as always The rambunctious one himself, Remzo Martinez What's happening, buddy? You see, I'm not actually Remzo Martinez I'm Remzo from another multiverse This is why he had to go ahead and introduce me Like, <laughs> none of you fuckers know who I am I, I gotta give a little behind the scenes We're recording this, you know, about a week or so Not even uh, prior to the recording of Prior to the recording no, we're not part of the recording. Prior to the airing of this episode, uh, and we were discussing before the show, we're not going to talk about any of them. To be clear, because because you probably do care about spoilers if you're listening. So we're- I, I respect I respect everyone else's right to not be spoiled. Right. You just don't respect your own because uh, I know Remzo was going to see Spider Man tonight. I have already seen it, and then Remzo starts just rattling off all these things that happened in the movie because he just completely spoiled it for himself and saw Reddit is a horrible place, Mark. Yeah. It's where dreams go to die. So we're not going to talk about Spider-Man at all yet, because uh, you still haven't seen it. So, you know, you don't know how you feel about the, how it played out, but you pretty much know everything that happens. Um, but that, that's this weird thing about this world we live in. Um, by the time this airs, yeah, I think it's okay. It'll be a week later to spoil Hawkeye. Uh, like, for example, in Hawkeye, the Kingpin character just appeared in episode five. And I it has been rumored for so long this was going to happen. But it was something everybody kind of knew was going to happen. And uh, did I spoil this for you, by the way? Have you? <laughs> no, no, I, I saw Hawkeye. So, the, okay. the, so here's the here's the statue of limitation on TV shows and movies. TV shows are seven days. That's when it's universally acceptable to spoil everything publicly. For Spider-Man, they actually put out a date. Sony and Marvel actually said, don't start publicly talking about this shit until the 27th of December. Really? So a few days after this airs, uh, a few days after Christmas, they're like, that's more than enough time. <laughs> to determine when we can discuss things. The people that want to go ahead and start posting more spoilers online to get people to go buy more tickets. Yeah. I'm going to see this movie twice easily. We are in theaters. Well. Already, we already plan to go back. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like, the, I think there's just something to the innocence of not having any idea what's going on. And I think it's so hard, especially if you're comic nerds like us and you're all up on all the, the different you know, websites and Twitter accounts and everything. It's really hard to avoid, avoid knowing this stuff. But even when the Kingpin appeared to me, like it was awesome. I was excited for it. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's a kind of a, it's a two side thing because was I more excited about Hawkeye because the Kingpin was coming? Um, and for me, I was going to watch it either way, but maybe it drew interest for people that might not have otherwise watched it either way. I love seeing it, but I, I did. There was a part of me that wished like, I wish I had absolutely no idea that was going to happen. Cause then I would have been like, Oh my God, the fucking Kingpin and it's fucking Vincent. And I'm like, it was just, I would react so differently, you know? You know, here, here's my philosophy when it comes to these things. I've, I usually spoil really anticipated movies for myself, but it doesn't make me want to see them any less. If anything, if a movie is good, here's the true test of a spoiler ruins a movie. If you watch a movie and you forget about the spoilers and you're just Mm. totally like zoned into the film, you'll still be surprised as if you didn't know. That's kind of like how it was for me in No Time to Die, because I knew that James Bond was going to die at the end of the film. I saw I saw the spoilers. I didn't until I heard your review of it. (laughs) <laughs> but I didn't care either. Did I say that in the review? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, well, spoilers ahead, mofo. I think it was like a classic Renzo quote-unquote non-spoiler review. We're like, I'm just going to tell you this one thing that's the entire plot of the movie. <laughs> Other than that, I'm not going to reveal anything that happens. Yeah, but it's like I knew that going into the going into the theater like two days prior. I, I That's when I found out. But then I just got so obsessed with the film, I almost completely forgot about it. So when Bond finally did die, I was like, oh, oh yeah. That's a sign of a good film. Yeah. It makes you forget that it was even spoiled for you. Yeah, I will say, as far as No Way Home, and I'm not going to discuss anything that wasn't in trailers, but even like seeing the villains appear at certain times that you, that I knew it was going to appear, they're in trailers. Like, there's no doubt they're going to appear. I still popped and was like, oh shit, you know. So it, you, you can forget, you get lost in the movie, and you you can still have that. A sim- maybe it's not the same exact reaction, but it's a, you still get that emotional pull for sure. Yeah. Speaking of emotional pull. Today is a special episode. Yes, Every is. episode is a special episode, but it is a very special They're episode. All special Today episodes. is a Kirby Club produced episode. Mark! What is the Kirby Club, and what madness are we getting into today? Well, the Kirby Club is a very elite level on the Second Print Comics Patreon, where not only do you get all of the benefits of being a Second Print patron, meaning that you get access to all of our exclusive audio shows, audio content, such as Hawkeye Recaps, upcoming very soon Boba Fett Recaps, you get Remzo Rants, you get What Mark Missed, where I look at, well, like the title suggests, comics that I missed during my dark period. You get all sorts of extra bonus content uh, for a measly five bucks or more in the case of uh, our patron today, our Kirby Club producer. Uh, but at these higher levels, I mean, you get monthly calls uh, with Remzo and I, the Journey into Mystery level, the Epic Crossover level, you get graphic novels, hardcover graphic novels, ham-selected by Remzo and myself, delivered to your door every three months. And then at the Kirby Club level, which our uh, our patron today with is with... Wow, fumbled that one uh at the kirby cub level uh at which our today's patron is oh man why am i can't say this thing at all today's patron is special yes at the Kirby Cub level, uh, of which our today's uh, patron who's going to join us in a second is a member of, you get to actually produce episodes of this podcast. Uh, so far, we have, uh, well, actually, our last month we did that villains episode, which is really fun, where we got to break down some of our favorite villains. Uh, this week, well, why should I say it when I can actually bring him? He's actually here with us right now. I'm very pleased to be joined by one of our top fans, Kirby Club level producer, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, what's happening, man? Not much. Just, uh, Hanging out. Jeffrey, have you decided to get the tattoo yet? Because that's the only real way we'll ever know that you're willing to commit for life. <laughs> because marriages uh, come and go, nations come and go, but indeed. just like Wu-Tang Clan, SPC for life. <laughs> it's uh, just a tattoo I'll, of uh, I'll put it on my uh, to-do list. Yeah. I'll put it on my to-do list. Yeah, you can either be a, a $50 per month supporter and, and produce an episode every few months, or you can get the tattoo, but you still have to pay us, actually. So, yeah, that, never mind. <laughs> but, um, Jeffrey, you set us up today to talk about a, uh, a series that I absolutely love, that Remzo and I both gave very high praise to when we first talked about it back in, uh, S- I almost said Max episode, back in uh, SBC episode 18. It is, of course, The Max um, by Sam Keith. This is one of my favorite books from when I was a youth, first getting into Image Comics. Um, I, the two that really capture me the most, as I've talked about ad nauseum here, uh, were Savage Dragon, but behind Savage Dragon, uh, it didn't have the longevity because it didn't last nearly as long. Uh, but right behind there, in terms of how much it sucked me in from the beginning, was the max. So why don't you just uh, hit us up a little bit with some of your history? First of all, I'm actually more curious, like how and when you got into comics in general, and then you can kind of uh, guide us into your love for the max. Well, I 
gotten the comics pretty young, but I was sort of there. There weren't really comics that I collected. Like I would basically just, you know, when my parents took me to the store or whatever, I'd head over to the comic section, just pick out what what struck my fancy, you know, on any given day. But uh, yeah, the the Max, you know, the first issue of the Max that I got was a uh, Max issue six, which is part of this collection, and uh, it was you know ninety three, so I would have been. I believe when it came out, I would have been 10 years old. It was the, uh, man, first, I wasn't even a, you know, like a glimmer in my father's eye. I was yeah. already 13 then, uh, for perspective. But, uh, yeah. And you know, it was the first, I guess you'd say adult comic that I'd ever purchased, you know, in terms of, you know, the themes and whatnot, you know, a lot more, you know, it's a lot more, you know, a lot darker than, you know, two superheroes punching each other. You know, and I, I got it because the cover art, which was, you know, the yeah. cover of it, you know, it's, you know, the Max, you know, this big, cool looking dude, you know, shoving his hand, his fist down the throat of a cool looking shark guy. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, that looks, that looks pretty cool. So I got it and I opened it up and started reading it. And I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, especially picking up at at, at issue six. I almost did it. Episodes issues. Uh, picking up at, at issue six. I mean, it's crazy if you started from episode from issue one. Man, I'm really doing it today. Uh, but picking up at, at at issue six must have just been like completely mind blowing for you as a ten year old. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, it starts off. You know, you have a little cameo from Calvin and Hobbes. You know, the, I I don't know if you noticed that. I mean, yeah, oh, I did. I I did on this read. Yeah, I don't know if I registered but, uh, it when I was a kid. Then you know. Savage Dragon pops up for his cameo, and then you know you get to the showdown. You know the shark guy attacks the Max, and then the Max. You know you're getting ready for the slugfest with this guy with these awesome claws and whatnot. And then oh, he glued his claws shut, <laughs> which I believe even Sam Keith sort of admitted that because people kept asking like, well, wait, how could he glue his claws shut? And like later on, Sam Keith just said, well, I, I just did it just just for laughs. You know, yeah, he, he don't overthink this. Do yeah yeah but uh yeah because i have most of the like the original series you know in the single issues so i have all the letters pages from back then which you know it's always a it's always a trip to go through and read the letters pages totally. from that time but uh yeah and so you know and then you had this little weird you know burnt up matchstick man doing narration of the fight like breaking the fourth wall and then you know you got you know you have boobies you know, <laughs> it never hurts. Dark jungle queen. Never hurts. So, oh, so the, yeah. You know, and so, yeah. And so, you know, it was just, it was a, it was a mind trip, you know? And unfortunately, like at the time, I never really picked up another issue for several years on hmm. because I think the next issue, there was like a three month delay. And so by that the time the next right. issue yeah. came out, you know, I pretty much, yeah, I pretty much forgotten about it. And, Maybe you know a year or so later, I rented the uh, cartoon from a video store and watched that. And you know it's pretty accurate to the comics. I think I think it covered. I think the cartoon covered like the first twelve issues or so. And so I was waiting for the part where he. I'm sorry, was that series on MTV? It wasn't in it. Yeah, I yeah. think it was MTV. Yep. 
Because I know Savage Dragon was MTV. I, yeah. I always forget that they did something for the you match. You were wrong. Too. You said that last time, and then I fact-checked you, and I forgot to bring it up, so I'll bring it up now. Savage Dragon actually aired on UPN, and it is now a NBC Universal property, which is why I can watch it on Peacock. So that Max was not MTV, although, it, yeah. MTV, which actually makes sense. Yeah, I, think it was a, yeah I think it was a double feature with the Wildcat cartoon on Saturday mornings, wasn't I, it? I believe you are correct, yep. yep. So Renzo gets fact-checked yet again. <laughs> if I wasn't so hungry, I'm muting myself to eat wheat thins, I would argue, but there's no point. <laughs> well, Jeffrey, unless you have any comments about Remzo's choice of snacks, uh, I will thank you for joining us here today. And thank you for so much. We cannot thank you possibly enough. This is a, our, our feeble attempt at thanking you by bringing you on to produce this episode. But we, we really, from the bottom of our hearts, I can say thank you so much for supporting us. This is a, an absolute passion project for us. And, uh, you know, I think I, Remzo and I both have other podcasts and, you know, I'm not saying I don't have fun doing them, but I think uh, this is the where we really just let loose and have fun and talk about things that we enjoy talking about. So we really do appreciate you and all of our patrons who help us do this. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Jeffrey. Take care, brother. Thank you. All right. So with that being said, I think Jeffrey set us up pretty well for going into today's book. So Remzo, are you ready to dig into the max? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. We start off with max issue number five. This is actually exactly where we left off uh, back in the SBC episode number 18, where we looked at the first four issues of the max by Sam Keith. Uh, and uh, this one starts off. Uh, we're not really sure what's going on. Uh, we just kind of like see, you know, some images of like the max kind of curled up and there's some dialogue. that says like a, a, a bit more to the left, more, more there, there, there now down further. You know, really it almost seems like they're implying a sexual thing, but when we get to the next page there is no sexual anything going on uh but this is all being seen through like a keyhole it appears so it seems like some somebody is actually spying on them at this point uh but it is it is just julie uh giving max basically like a, a thai massage basically just like walking on his back getting those kinks out remzo ha, remzo have you ever had a thai massage where the ladies actually literally get up and walk on your back no but now i want one. Oh, it's awesome it's amazing it's absolutely incredible if you have ever have like back kinks to be worked out which who freaking doesn't you're getting thrown around on the judo mat all the time uh you will not regret it as long as you get a good one which i I have had good success in the past today's sponsor by thai massages use discount code sbc at any thai massage parlor (laughs) you get 50 percent off a happy ending (laughs) tell them mark and remzo sent you (laughs) anyway but yeah julie is uh giving uh uh, the max a thai massage and uh, yeah, they're just kind of hanging out and she's talking about how the Max is always falling asleep watching these cartoons especially that cartoon Crap On in a Hat <laughs> Remzo what can you tell me about Crap On in a Hat anything <laughs> was it like an adult swim show or no, something it's not a real show it's, it's just made up for this thing he's basically the WB frog essentially only like psychedelically trippy as we'll see just a little bit later in this episode uh, or this issue they're both accurate I could have said either one and they would be correct uh, but yeah, we do see someone was in fact watching uh, watching the Max and Julie from across the street through some like binoculars or something, which is weird because why did it show a keyhole before? I don't really know. But anyway, they are in fact being spied on by an is. Do you remember the is Remzo from our, our last uh, you know dive into the world of the Max? The Izzes were the little evil motherfuckers that could go between, what was it, the Outback? Yes, indeed, the Outback. The Outback and the real world. Exactly. Um, so yeah, they're kind of, they're the, like minions, but murderous essentially. Yeah. And they got these big teeth and they bite people and they're just, uh, and they can appear as regular people to, to regular people basically. 
but the Max can see them for what they are. Exactly. Little tiny black jerks. And they are, they work at the behest of Mr. Gone, who was killed in episode four, episode four. Damn it. In issue number four. I'm really bad. I thought I had almost cured it. And now it's just come back uh, raging. My, my issues episodes, uh, it, my issues episodes issue. <laughs> That's what's returned. Wow. Try saying that a thousand times. Tell me how you really feel. Uh, but yeah, there's also a voice going along here and uh, this word balloon. I'm just going to say this word balloon looks somewhat similar to the word balloons that we did see from Mr. Gone previously. Uh, but this person is saying I could blow them both away right from right here. Not that I would, of course, I don't operate that way still. And so it's, it's really the is that's looking though. We just see this, hear this voice from, well, we don't hear it, but we read this voice uh, from off camera and yeah, Julie and Max are kind of talking and, and Julie's just like basically saying like, all right, go to sleep. Uh, you know, it's not like a, a wacky cartoon is going to infect, infect your brain or something. So I guess it's no big deal. And then she says, just don't fall in, okay? That's all I need is for you to turn into some stupid cartoon. So of course, what happens here, we start to see as the Max falls asleep and as he does, when the Max falls asleep, he often goes into the Outback, which is this, it's basically Julie's subconscious uh, at the end of the day, but um, weird things happen in the Outback. There's weird rabbit creatures. There's other creatures. Uh, but sure enough, just as Julie says, you know, I don't need you to turn into some stupid cartoon. Slowly as the Max drifts into the Outback, we see this bu- image of the bunny we always see this image of this little doll we always see and we see this like wb frog looking motherfucker who it will turn out is crap on in a hat uh and uh the max does indeed turn into a freaking cartoon <laughs> which i just wah, wah. yeah i mean you know julie you said it and so of course it's gonna happen and they actually show the max like going into cartoon world as kind of like like turning into like a 2d you know figure almost like he is just on flat paper i really like you know how how uh, sam keith did this with the art here it's, it's really impressive to me uh, but yeah, we, for, for now we see the Max is kind of in a cartoon. He's actually in the cartoon crap on uh, by this guy, Dave Feist. So I'm not sure who Dave Feist is, if he's a real guy or if they just like made this guy up. I, assume- I assumed it was a name made because it implies he's going into a show. So because you really want to immerse it, it's almost like the readers watching the cartoon. Yeah, like that I get. I just mean, I wonder if it's a, a name he just made up or if it's just like, hey, I have a friend named Dave and I'm just going to put his name in my comic kind of thing. I, I'm probably doing that all the time. I just put all my friends' names in the comics which I will do someday when we start our SBC publishing branch, but we need your money on Patreon first. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. Uh, but yeah, moving along here, uh, Max is basically running around, um, running through the outback, running through these little creatures. And there's a point where he says like, he knows these creatures are his fears. I thought this is pretty interesting, Renzo. I'm going to tell you a little story that I usually keep uh, behind um, paywalls and that sort of thing. Um, I feel like Joe Rogan here. You ever done DM- oh, ever done DMT? This is this this is about to get interesting. No, Mark, I have not done DMT. Okay, well, I'm Joe Rogan, and you're my guest who hasn't done DMT, so I'm going to tell you about it. So I did once, and uh, I'm not going to get into the entire thing, but one aspect of when I did that is I saw these now i'm wondering did my subconscious access this part of my brain that because now that i think about it they actually look a lot like the is and also have you ever seen the movie critters at least tell me you've seen critters yeah okay they look like the critters but like with bigger teeth and these little black creatures were just like floating at me and i knew they were my fears much like the max knows that these are my his fears um the max is a pussy so he's running from them i didn't run from them i just watched them and laughed at them and as i laughed at them they fell away and into nothingness which taught me that uh you know your fears can't really hurt you and you know you just gotta laugh at things and you know that'll help you get by things that's basically my lesson wow yeah so that's deep mark you ever eat elk (laughs) i haven't but i would love actually i have had elk jerky which I found delicious. 
You're the full Rogan. We just got to get you back in jujitsu again. I'm I'm Joe Rogan. If he spent all his time reading comics instead of doing jujitsu, that, that's basically that's basically who you're dealing with right here. Um, but yeah, <laughs> moving along. So yeah, the the Max is running from his fears because he's a pussy, not like me. He just embraces them and laughs at them. Uh, all his fears are named Dave, by the way, which I find pretty interesting. As he's running through through this like you know through the outback here, this cartoon version of, of the outback, uh, he's dealing with this fucking crap on guy who's just basically just following around, giving him shit all the time. Uh, he's like. You see, I'm the crap on, and this is my show, and I know what you've got neath that mask. I just know, and and he they're basically talking in like Dr. Seuss talk at this point. They're they're all they're each rhyming to each other, and they're just kind of like you know going back and forth about the nature of things. And you know the Max is like, that's not true. I thought you were just animated. And then Crapon says, each each line that defines me is carefully weighted, but I'm just as real as you are, maybe realer. This is just a mad jail, and you're the mad jailer. It goes on like this for for quite a few entertaining pages, I must say, of just the Max and and crap on just kind of basically just doing nursery rhymes to each other but it's all quite entertaining it's really just mimicking kind of like a dr seuss uh, type story um and then yeah the mask the max is running away and they these guys they all want to rip his mask off which is one of the max's big fears that we see in the first four issues uh he's really afraid of having his mask ripped off because he thinks he's a bunny and he thinks he's, he's gonna see this fucking bunny rabbit face underneath and he's definitely afraid of seeing that because he doesn't want to think that he's actually a bunny what's just one of the many quirks of the mask we all got a friend like that remzo though don't we <laughs> oh yeah yeah sometimes people were related to <laughs> yes yes unfortunately yeah sometimes. yes we, we've all we all know one or two people that just think they might be a bunny really yeah. we all know that guy yeah so the max continues to run and run from these uh these little these little fear creatures uh, at the end of the day it uh, really the max is like afraid of knowing who he who he is and and his origins really because we don't really know what the max is we just know he's this homeless guy that wears this weird purple outfit he doesn't know what he is and he doesn't want to know what he is because he's, he's afraid that he's going to be afraid of what he is uh, again giant pussy compared to me um but yeah i also put that uh crap on his yeah in my notes i put crap on is basically the wb frog oh and he also basically says that fish like max carrying around this fish the whole time and he says that fixed that fish is like your is your consciousness so he's like carrying his consciousness around now this is very much you know sam keith stuff here on um uh in the max it's very there's very Nietzschean type stuff, very, these concepts about the id, the super ego, it's all kind of worked in here. And so if you recognize any of those terms, you can recognize kind of some of the conversation more. It doesn't make it any less confusing, but but it does make it, it makes it feel smarter. That's for sure. I'll tell you that much. Um, and as always, whatever Max is doing in the Outback is like paralleling something in the real world. So he's running from these things. He falls into this moat. Uh, for some reason, these little creatures are like on some like tiny little boat now. Uh, but then we, we see that the Max is actually in a dumpster. Uh, so in the real world, World. So we get a little glimpse uh, of what's going on there in the real world, but he is still in the outback. Uh, and so we go back to the outback. He's still running away, carrying his consciousness away from all of his fears here, all these little blue, blue creatures here. Uh, and he's saying, oh, if these guys can kill me and make me roll over, I'll be just as dead back on Julie's old sofa. And then of course, as, uh, as this is happening, they're making these noises, this crazy, I really love, this is something I talked about in the last uh, time we looked at the max. I really love how Sam Keith uses like lettering um, and you, uses like the words outside of word bubbles to uh, kind of um, project like certain sounds like here you just see this lettering that's like scrolling through multiple panels saying Chubala 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 and that's 
that's just like the sound these things are making and the max just like oh shit yipe so now he's like tied up by all these by all these little blue fear creatures and um he's not having a good time here and um basically he, he gets to this point where he says i must face what the fears make me fearful to do which is true this is a good lesson you do need to face the fears head on uh i must face what the fears make me fearful to do i must rip off this mask it's time that i knew he's still rhyming uh what lies beneath it is it beans <laughs> and so, so as he holds this mask out we don't see his face we just see him holding the mask and these beans start to just fall out and he says it is pods what a strange thing to do to keep seeds in my face and how odd uh and then we see kind of um, a, a glimmer of the outback well like the outback that we're used to seeing as these seeds continue to fall down and then we kind of pan out and we see these seeds are all falling by this plant and the plant is here and now we see young julie next to a skull that looks like the max's skull and now young julie is talking to this max skull and this max skull is like the hardest thing to describe this series because it's so freaking crazy and insane so i would highly recommend you know yeah i would yeah well i was because i'd highly recommend listening to if if you don't read these issues uh at least go listen to episode 18 of second print comics so you can understand some context of these characters because it's it's confusing even with the context i I always think like if for comics and for comic book storylines lines that have not been adapted into either a TV show or a film. You know who I would want to direct a Max movie or maybe a series? Zack Snyder's The Max. Well, that would be awesome. <laughs> I want Zack Snyder's everything now. I think I think Dan Harmon from Rick and Morty would be perfect at this. I could see that. I could totally see that. Would this like a live action or you would would you want to animate Either. It? Well, they 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 keep saying that Channing Tatum is going to produce and star in a max movie really? but like i would i would rather see something of dan Harmon. you know who i'd like directing. to see play the max who? i feel like it would really work for me bruce willis i don't know why it just feels right to me you don't see him nearly, i was gonna say nearly as I would, no well i mean i i have to i guess i have to think about it. i would i would think uh hugo weaving interesting Okay, because that guy I think can we're do an entire the character differently. You and I, I think that's the big difference. Oh yeah, <laughs> that must be. What yeah, you're picturing I, I think him of, British or something. <laughs> well, I think of him as like you know the uh, Hugo Weaving does not get enough credit for being an amazing voice actor. When you compare him for what he did as V in V for Vendetta, and then what he did when he was pretending to be German as the Red Skull, and then a bunch of his anime appearances, I think he could do a whole completely different character just for the Max. Hmm. I, I, I love Hugo Weaving. He's he's the king of the nerds. So when we're talking about freaking Megatron right here, I'll take, he could totally that's do true. it. I'll take any Max adaptation at this point that, uh, you know, it's been like 20 years since that MTV series. Um, yeah. yeah, but Julie, who is, you know, different versions, everything in the, in the Outback ultimately represents something in Julie's subconscious. This is something we kind of learned going along here. But, you know, she's saying to the Max Skull, she's like, you shouldn't be here. And he says, who are you, little girl? He's like, the part of the Jungle Queen that can't grow up, kind of developmentally stunted. This is a, too private a place for you to be. And the Max Skull says, why, why do I look like an Eels al- album cover? Sam Keith really deserves credit because there's there are many, many times as silly. And, and is this the series is both silly and ultra serious at the same time. It's like very deep in a lot of the concepts it talks about um, trauma, uh, like subconsciousness, all these sorts of things. But Sam Keith is really finds a way to insert a lot of levity throughout these throughout all this craziness and uh so a lot of these one-liners really really work for me and he's like yeah why do i look like an eagles album cover and she's like well you're dead he's like well yeah i figured but and now suddenly he's the real max he's suddenly just you know because this is all this is the outback and we're so no we're seeing the max in the real world i think talking to actual julie while this max skull yeah, that's what it is while this max skull is talking to little julie in in the outback and he's saying but if i'm supposed to protect the jungle queen why shouldn't i protect you to you too she says this is the holy place even i don't come here go away 
no go no go back the way you came you've dragged us both into the Ehrlich dimension these like creatures disappear and they're like what the hell and um yeah and basically max now is like fully back in the real world and he's like all right and then and he's telling julie the story he's like and then i woke up uh yeah too many cartoons and pez i guess and uh, julie just says i think you od'd uh and yeah and then we kind of see we get some appearances here um from the the rabbit bunny makes an appearance again this doll makes an appearance again uh but at the end you know julie just says like all right, Max, just just rest now. And as we see Max kind of heading back into the outback as he goes back to sleep, because again, um, that's what happens. Max goes to sleep and he's in the outback. Must be exhausting. Every time you fade off, you're just in this totally crazy place. It's like some fight club stuff. Yeah, it, it is very much fight club stuff. Uh, we then move on to issue number six of the Max. My notes just says two feminists sit down in a dock talking, talking about the max, but he adds, this is Julie and uh, Sarah's mom here. And um, you know, they're, they're just talking like, you know, feminist stuff and you know, all, all sorts of things, which yeah, I always find the dialogue pretty, pretty entertaining. I, I, I know we talked about last yeah. time, but I just want to reiterate, Julie's probably one of my favorite original comic book characters. Yeah. She's great. And it, it's something that we've talked about a lot recently, especially as you know, what's going on in the comic book industry and stuff always bleeds in. So I don't want to, you know, uh, push people away because of my opinions. But like what I love about Julie is that Julie is a character who there aren't many other similar characters in any title like Julie. And Julie has a very unique voice. I mean, in the way that she's written, it's authentic to the character while still being somewhat humorous for people that might not necessarily agree with her or like her. That That's the great thing about comics because you you can read this character in their own voice while putting your own perspective on them and you know when a character is good it doesn't matter who they are what they believe what they do if a good character is a good character they will always stand out and that's why i've always liked about julie and this first page of this issue is just i'm reading this i'm just like you know what like i it's it's just such a ridiculous conversation but you know it's authentic to the character it it means something to the story. I like it. Yeah, I, I do too. And I, I, I really like here, even here, like the portrayal of her body, you know, they, they show this like side shot of her and she has by no means a perfect female. She actually looks, she's very attractive, but you know, she looks like a regular person, you know, which truly is thick. She's a little thick. Yeah. But I mean, she looks like a girl you'd meet in real life. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that you don't see in comics very often, even in, and I, I kind of get it when it's superhero stuff and they're supposed to be, you know, in, in great shape because they're superheroes. So that makes more sense i don't they're want, all a rob liefeld woman yeah basically but i, I don't want to shat i don't want a flabby superhero because then i can't really buy that they're superhero like in eternals that one guy that the one bit chubby guy Fostos. yeah i just like i can't take you as a hero i don't know maybe just, maybe <laughs> well, I well you know it's like well i mean here here here's a counter example i'll be quiet like the character of faith in the valiant I do universe like i do like faith that is- i don't fucking like faith oh, okay. faith well. is the the only the only the only scene in any book i like is in unity volume two where the unity um you know exo man or war ninja and eternal warrior they end up murdering a bunch of villains like it's nothing and faith walks in she's like wait i can't join your team you're killing people and she flies away crying and they're like well that there goes that new recruit <laughs> yeah my my version of faith was a part of the original harbingers comic way back in the early 90s so that's i haven't really oh the read. new the new one the new one is like a rosie o'donnell special okay, it's well, just it, it's it, they they ruined her then i probably would also not like faith at this point there's no faith in the faith comic no that's why they keep the having to reboot her yep um, but yeah, they're, they're just having a chat and kind of ch- chatting about the Max a bit too. Um, but meanwhile, these two kids, so this is the, what Jeffrey was referring to this Calvin and Hobbes appearance. It's not, yeah, it is. It's, it's, there's one kid that then they has this little kid with him who is, yeah, clearly 
Which one's the tiger? I always forget. Calvin? Calvin's Hobbs. The Hobbs is the tiger. No, right. Cal- Calvin's the kid. Hobbs is the tiger. Hobbs the tiger. Okay. So so whatever. Calvin and Hobbs, either way, are also there uh, checking out uh, this box. And they're like, oh, it looks like this guy's been dead for a long time. And, uh, you know, just like they're going to, they're about to poke into this box to check out this dead guy because you know, that's what kids do. When suddenly, who appears? My favorite. Dun, dun. The Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon is here. And they say, oh, no, you're, you're the dragon. He's like, yep, that's my pronoun, son. Don't wear it out. Pronoun joke. Way, way ahead of its time. Was not expecting that Hashtag one. Hashtag woke in the 90s. Yeah, but basically uh, Savage Dragon is like uh, is, is, is following these, is getting these kids out of the alley. But that's just a side, it's kind of a side job because he's really in town to go after this villain of his known as Mako, who has been spotted here. And uh, there's a little subtle thing here. I. I, barely, I don't think I even noticed it the first time through, but these cops that uh, Savage Dragon is walking out, uh, it's walking these kids out with, they are actually is. Um, so right as we see, so, okay, so I think I misunderstood this. I thought that the Max just happened upon Mako the first time. No, but it is clear Mako was actually hired to go after the Max. So yeah, in the next scene, uh, we see Mako, who's a longtime uh, Savage Dragon villain. Some might say he was the inspiration for King Shark, who did come out after Mako. Just saying. King Shark is a shark. King Shark is a shark. Uh, Mako talks a lot more than King Shark. Mako's like a regular talking guy who just happens to be a shark. And he he busts through the Max's apartment, wakes him up from his nap, uh, sort of, because he's still also kind of in the outback. Uh, and Mako is just bloodthirsty. And he says, you ducked on purpose, Mav boy. I don't even know what Mav boy means. Now I'm going to do you slow. And he like, I didn't duck on purpose. He was just like sleeping on the couch. Um, meanwhile, so like J- Julie and then this chick and Sarah's mom are still chatting. So we kind of are in- interspersed between their chat. Uh, talking about you know the max and feminism and censorship like uh sarah's mom i don't even know her name but but sarah's mom the character sarah sarah's mom does not have it going on wants to censor stuff she's talking about violence on tv and censorship and all this stuff uh meanwhile we see a battle between the mako and the max and um you know, like the Max is. Oh yeah, that and something that Jeffrey mentioned is that the Max had accidentally like uh, glued his his jaw his claws shut uh, for some reason. So he is uh, battling Mako, but he's kind of like not at full power here because he's, he can't really use his claws. So he's pretty much just running away from Mako here, and and Mako's going after him, almost eats him a bunch of different times. Uh, and like it's interesting, like it's not often you get a hero, uh, supposed hero. Max is not really like a traditional hero by any means, but spending panels and panels not fighting from a villain. But just running the fuck away from him, which I really like. I mean, I, it's not something you see often. And I like that they can portray the main character as just, yeah, he's just, cause we don't, you know, he's just this guy in this costume, I guess. And, you know, yeah, he has these claws, but shit, now that those things are wrapped up. Yeah, I'm running away from this giant shark. What about you? <laughs> Can't blame a guy. No, you cannot. And he also uh, refers to Mako as a land shark, which is pretty funny because that's uh, that's something that is uh, you know he like sees he sees things in the real world as part of the outback. Uh, so in his mind, you know, Mako is just a land shark, just another land shark coming after him. Meanwhile, in the real world, Mako is a hired assassin who is trying to kill him for some reason or another. Is the Max powerless in the in the outback? They don't really make it clear, like what if he has because it seems like he's like when he's in the outback, he's much more vulnerable to things. Whereas in and we saw this in the first volume, like he can kick ass and do stuff in the real world. Yeah. 
but it's not even clear in the real world if he has powers per se or if he's just kind of tough you know like he he fights yeah. like normal type usually he's fighting like just like you know some homeless guy who's like harassing a, a woman or something he's not until now until until here with Mako, he's usually not fighting like other superpowered beings or he's fighting mr gone and it's not really clear exactly what his powers are or not so it's not really clear but he's definitely different in, in the outback where well, pretty much anything can happen in the outback you know it's all about whatever your subconscious is, is telling you or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, anyway, Max continues to run away from Mako um, while uh, Julie and Sarah's mom, I'm sure she has a name. I just keep, she's Sarah's mom in my notes. She's Sarah's mom. Karen. In my mind. We'll call her Let's Karen. Let's call her Karen. Um, and uh, meanwhile, like Mako chases, chases the Max into a pool which seems like the worst place you'd want to run away from a shark into like into his, his home territory. And uh, we also are getting a narration, by the way, I just start somewhere in here. We're basically getting like Jeffrey referred to this sort of fourth wall narration um, from a, a word balloon that looks again, very similar to Mr. Gon's word balloons. Uh, he says, I love it when you think the villains way far away, then he just pops up. And now Max has to fight a shark guy in a water. Violence is so cool. And Max is saying my head, ugh, not now. And whenever he gets, starts getting these pounding heads, headaches it's when he's about to go uh into the outback fully so i think at this point he's, he's presently like in the real world but now he's got that rack deck a deck doom doom pounding in his head and now appears the jungle queen who is really julie in her subconscious ruler of this world and max is like well she, but this version looks different like she has dark hair and but otherwise it kind of looks like julie's body and he says well i thought julie was a blonde i thought you know the jungle queen was a blonde what's going on here and, and how come she looks like a bad paperback cover again just some of these little these little one-liners that, that, that crack me up can't can you hear Dan Harmon's voice throughout this? I mean, this could easily What's be his like, voice. Is he Rick? Is he? I'm, I'm not speaking like oh, literally. Yeah, I, I, I'm yeah, like, you I know, you. Yeah. his artistic expression. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a lot like Rick and Morty. No, I totally can. I absolutely can. Um, yeah. And he's like, how come you, how come your hair is black now? And, and then this is like little Julie is back there again. And she's like, yeah. And if you're the leopard queen, where's your leopard? And, uh, leopard queen, Julie says, I have been changed. Cruelty and pain have changed me. And my leopard is dead. And we see, see a little uh, barrel amount for the leopard. So that's very sad, but we are suddenly thrust back in the real world. And, we and the Max both go, uh, we're back. And Max is like, oh shit, I'm back. And Mako, Mako is like, acts like a shark or as we're told sharks are when he, when he senses little blood, he gets, he gets more and more excited. It's now Mako's yelling blood, 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 blood as they shoot out of the water. Uh, and Mako is just continuing to chase him. Uh, Max like hides under a truck. Mako just lifts up the truck, throws the truck. Um, and Mako just is getting in more and more of a frenzy as the Max just dodges the truck, continues to run away. Um, then Max runs into this door called just cords. And he's like, Oh my God, there's telephone cords everywhere. It's the phone is hilarious. This is very Rick Morty too. I guess I, I could totally see this. He's like, he just runs into a, a, a store where they only sell cords. That's all they sell is telephone cords, which I don't think exists anymore because everyone uses cell phones now, but we still used phones with cords back then. Um, and uh, he's like, Hey, there's fun there's- facts. There are two working pay phones in Washington, DC. <laughs> really? Wow. I cannot remember the last time I seen one of those. Hashtag the more you know. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, Max is like, man, there's cords everywhere. And, and what's that smell? And these two guys are in there completely unfazed, apparently, by this guy jumping into their, their store. He's like, yeah, it's solve it. We're cleaning the cords today. <laughs> cleaning the cords. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ. So Max gets wrapped up in all these cords and he's, while he's running for Mako. And he's like, God, I hate my life. Uh, but what happens is the solvent, this cleaning solvent they were using the cords, sets his claws free. And he's like, yes, my claws are free. And now we get a little more narration from this uh, mysterious serious uh word balloons he says look at that you can see his veins and ridged muscles and gristle boy is he mad i bet we're gonna see something now something ba-boom and there's just a big explosion so just as the max 
is finally got its claws back, uh, is ready to rock, ready to party, ready to kick some ass. This thing explodes. Turns out that uh, the the corrosive, uh, but this is what we learned from Officer Dragon. So, so Savage Dragon is in this, but he's not really like involved in it. He's just kind of like a cameo. It is, it is really more Mako that makes up the bulk of, of this crossover. Yeah, so basically what happened is the solvent uh, melted the cords and then there was an explosion of some kind. So um, make it basically in the end, Mako got away and they kind of take off the max. They don't even know who this guy is. They just toss him in the back of the truck, but uh, that doesn't last very long. Meanwhile, um, Sarah, Sarah, Julie and Sarah's mom, <laughs> Sarah's mom, Karen, I guess, uh, they are sitting in a car waiting for this tow truck and we just hear a crash. So we don't really know what's happened yet. Uh, so we then head back to the Outback where Julie is talking to little Julie, who is her inner psyche, basically represents her inner psyche. And uh, yeah, they're just chatting. I'm not going to recap the whole, uh, you know, whole thing, but you know, she's also commenting. She sees the Max skull and she's like, so Ma- Max is dead in this hallucination. And little Julie says, yeah, he can't exist here. You're the only psychic entity here. Uh, you be meaning her, them. And then these little, uh, we see these little baby leopards and Julie's like, oh, baby leopards. I suppose this is where I learned that for every creature that dies, another is born laying it on, on a bit thick. Are we? So I, I do like, like Julie's internal commentary about her own trippy little subconscious trips into the outback uh, as well. But uh, in the end, basically the, the revelation we get here, because Julie always thinks that the max is, is like, like the outback is the maxes because like he goes to the outback and has all these adventures but little julie then tells her here that it's actually um that the the outback is actually julie's consciousness julie's subconscious and the max just sort of goes there to uh to protect her basically or to help that's deep very deep yes um, as we wind up, we go, uh, yeah, basically it's Julie's dream and Max is part of it, not the other way around. Uh, we then learned that it was the tow truck guy that had hit their car, uh, had hit Julie's car. And so Julie's fine. Uh, Sarah's mom, Karen is end, ends up, uh, in the hospital, but we see Sarah pulling her out of the hospital on like a wheelchair at the end. And then we just kind of get some, um, some thoughts of the, some head thoughts of Max where he's kind of referencing the first episode. Damn it. The first issue, the first issue again, where he was talking about the show cheers and he's like, yeah it was like weird when the cheer when the show cheers ended like they become my friends and then suddenly they're just gone one day and it was like and he's like i know in my mind that they all just moved on like they're real actors and they're real people and they went on to their lives and did other things but to me they all died and he just ends with this somewhat uh you know maybe sad or depressing thought he just says everybody dies <laughs> and and that is the end of max issue six remzo thoughts so far what I love about this series, and it's why I gave... I recommend taking some DMT before you respond, respond to this. <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've been drinking a little bit, but I mean, I think my thoughts would still be the same without it. This is... And I mean, I, I say it in... When I say it's like a Rick and Morty episode, like, there are Rick and Morty episodes that are just outright fucking hilarious. And then there are episodes that are still funny, but then they just take a really, like, dramatic turn. Mm-hmm. And it, it isn't often that a story, whether it be a comic or a show, are able to really tie those two very polar opposite emotions together. But the Max really does that. And, uh, I mean, this issue is really a prime example of that. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, and I also, what do you think of the use of, or the sort of use of Savage Dragon and Mako here? Because this is something that um, that they image guys did a lot in the early days because they just wanted their characters to appear in various stories. I think Eric Larson was the best at this. He used characters that appeared in like ways that ended up being really important. Like he has a whole storyline with Wildstar that I won't I won't spoil, um, but it is what we're going to talk about in a couple issues when we we, we do return to Savage Dragon. Uh, 
uh, a couple issues, damn it, a couple episodes when we talk about Savage Dragon again. But I mean, this is a character that's not his at all. Um, and But he highlights this character in several different ways uh, throughout the course of his book. And they actually, in ways that actually impact the story in very significant ways. So I think Eric Larson is the best of this because a lot of times when characters appear as cameos, it's just, you know, it's just to get the promotion and it's just kind of seen as a throwaway. Kind of is here to an extent. I mean, Mako could have been almost anybody here, but it, it was fine. I, I wasn't offended by it. But what do you think about the kind of character crossover? I, I think sometimes it's appropriate, especially early on in a series like this. Like, um, you know, for example, in in Amazing Spider-Man issue one, they go ahead and immediately introduce the Fantastic Four. Now, you could have just gone into it the way that most people did, where it takes a little while and then you start introducing these characters. But in many ways, it solidifies a story without also having to give a giant uh, amount of time to giving a backstory for characters. So Mako, if let's say Mako had not existed in Savage Dragon before this, they would have to really pump him up. They would have to really, you know, set up some expositions, up some narration to give a backstory at some point, whether in this issue or a later issue. But because he's already established villain in Savage Dragon, you could just throw him in here. Whether people are familiar with him or not, it gives the artist and it gives the writer an ability just to, you know, move on with the story without having to get bogged down for every character's needs. Indeed. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like why not, if, if it doesn't really matter, if it's really just muscle going after the max, why not make it a character from another book? Why not have, you know, peak a little interest? Why not have Savage Dragon pop in? Yes. It could have just been some ordinary guy who's a police officer, but it doesn't hurt I me, mean, whatever, you know? So it, I see no harm. In yeah. It. And, and, and I use that, I use that amazing Spider-Man example because like, you know, the, after, after that issue, we won't see Spider-Man interact with other established Marvel characters for a little while. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like clout chasing. Like it was good because it really solidified at the time that the Marvel universe is a shared comic book universe. But there are other examples, like one of my favorite DC series that come out of uh, Dark Knight's uh, Metal, the first go around, was The Silencer. I think The Silencer is one of my favorite comics of the last five years. Wow. But the thing I've never that. Even heard of Oh, we'll have to do a silencer run at some okay. point. Um, there, you know, I think the thing that harmed the silencer was that she was borrowing so many other people's villains that she didn't really feel to many people like she was that necessary or she was that established because she's not fighting anybody who was really outside of like Batman's rogues gallery. So because of that, it did kind of harm her in a way. And I, I do think that may have been the case, but um, you know, it was one of the situations where you either lay it on really thick or you don't lay it on enough. I think by throwing Savage Dragon in here, they weren't saying, Oh, it's going to be a team up for the ages. No, it's just part of the story. And it, you know, I, I, I didn't see it as something great, but it certainly didn't take away from it. It just made it solidify that, oh, yeah, this stuff happens to cross over every once in a while. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just a reminder that there's other books out there. And as long as it fits and doesn't feel wedged in, which to me, it didn't like I could have never read Savage Dragon and be like, oh, there's a shark creature after him. Whatever. It could be anything. So it works. For it's me, a totally. pretty ridiculous world as is. Yeah. So I could buy it. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, we go into uh, issue seven, Max issue seven here. And this medical examiner is checking out that uh, dead body that the police took away. Uh, that homeless guy. It's actually this guy, uh, Tigo, who I think was actually a guy that was like scaring Julie in the first episode that the Max chased away. 
Um, uh, but yeah, they, they said, oh, we found this guy in a box, blah, blah, blah. Um, so he's like examining the body. He takes off this hat and like his like whatever scarf he has on. And then suddenly it is revealed to be a giant is one of those is creatures. Um, so this medical and the medical examiner can actually see that it's an is now. So he's like, what the fuck? He's like, that, that, that ain't right. That ain't what he looked like when he was brung in. It's, I don't know why I'm giving him this accent. I don't think they're anywhere near, near the South, but it's like, it's, it's, it's unnatural. And he's like, eh? And then we see a little is teeth peeking through the door. So uh, implying that things are not about to go so well for this medical examiner. We then go back to the Max and we see that the Max is sleeping on Julie's couch, which he seems to do quite a bit. So of course... He is in the outback, so we go and head into the outback. And uh, Julie and Max are walking around the outback, and they're noticing that everything is tiny now. There's these like like everything is like they are just giant, and the entire outback is most so little small. And uh, Julie picks up like one of these little creatures. They all look like little Doctor uh, Doctor Seuss things, and she's like, "What are those things?" He's like, "What thing?" He's like, "Those little those little icks that you're grinding to jelly." He's like, "Oh, they're like oh, he's, oh those aren't the same thing." So so um, the Max has been stepping on these little like ises. So basically, in the outback to. Re- recap from our, our last max episode the is are white in the outback and they're black in the real world uh, so he's just got like is all over his <laughs> he's got is all over his shoes um, that's what she said <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just laughing at myself here don't mind me um and yeah and she's like well okay and julie's like all right if we're not dreaming do you suppose we can get killed in here because she's like this isn't really a dream we're actually sort of going here and interacting with things and he's like oh yeah i'm absolutely sure of it and she's like well that's a happy thought he's like but we won't die here all right i guess we're the biggest things around here and everything is so tiny and she's like well guess again and she turns around and who is it it's pit another image character Uh, all right all right mark this is one of those moments where i'm actually incredibly lost please tell me who is pit well, Pitt is a character that was uh, created by uh, Dale Keown, who is one of my favorite uh, Hulk artists of all time. He's very much tied in to the uh, the Peter David uh, era of the Hulk, and I absolutely love Dale Keown as an artist. Uh, but he is one of the guys. He went to Image in like the second wave, uh, so like that was like Sam Keith, Dale Keown, a few other guys. Uh, but basically, Pitt is a human alien hybrid created by the alien race known as the Creed. He was genetically engineered to serve as a killing machine. He does appear slightly more alien than human, I would say, with his huge red pupilless eyes. He's got gray skin, uh, pretty much no nose that you can see, and these giant teeth and uh, giant talons, and that is uh, Pit. Honestly, he looks like he looks like the Hulk <laughs> with some slight. You're telling me that an image creator ripped off something from Marvel? I don't want to say ripped off. I like to say homage maybe or something like that. Uh, even to the down to the point of he has these, well, at least it's not only purple. homage if it's cooler. That's true. Um, I, I, I can honestly say, I don't think I ever read actually read a pit book, so I can't really comment too much on the character. I, I'm assuming you have not either. Rebzo. No. And I don't really feel the need to. Yeah. I feel like someone in the last 20 years would have told me you need to read pit if I needed to read pit. So, yeah. I didn't. Anyway, so Pitt is there in the outbook and he is yelling. He is screaming about this kid, Timmy. He's like, Timmy, where's Timmy? He was my only friend and now he's gone. And you know something. You took him. Give him back. So he's just going after the max here. I don't know who Timmy is. I assume if I read the Pitt book, 
Perhaps he has a friend named Timmy who's a little kid. I guess I'm, I'm sure that is probably the case, but I don't really know. And the Max is like, well, Julie's my only friend. And if you hurt her, I will. And then we hear, Hey, and Julie's just yelling, will you guys knock it off? This is supposed to be like my chance to work through a bunch of cathartic crap. Like we're here in my subconscious. You guys are fighting. Like this is a mess. And you, Mr. Mr. I'm too good to have nostrils. We don't have your Timmy. I don't know a Timmy. Uh, like I like how she's just talking shit to this creature who, if she ever saw it in real life, she would probably be completely frightened. But because they're in the outback, I think, and she knows she's in her own subconscious. She feels like she has a little more power here. But right as they're all arguing about whether or not, or not they're going to fight, <laughs> um, suddenly they look and see is a lot of is like a horde of is like a billion is coming at them. And they're that's like, a fuck ton of is a fuck ton of is. And they're like, all right, see ya. And they just take off. They leave Julie just hanging out while Pitch just starts jumping away. Kind of like the Hulk does when he makes these big jumps. And uh, the Max is just <laughs> running after him. I imagine much far behind him um and and julie's like well all right well they did that quickly he's <laughs> like next time i'll tell them to dig a hole and fill it with buttermilk for my bath there doesn't seem to be any is in this direction i don't know why something's drawing me out here something very intriguing and she starts uh walking in another direction and we see this creature sleeping I, I, really a lot of these creatures in the outback they all feel like very dr seuss type creatures to me um i I, th- I think there's a lot i think one of them is even called a Seussidon, is like one of the, the names of one of the creatures uh so there's definitely a, a dr seussian inspiration here uh meanwhile we go to it's like a giant dick turkey or something. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that's yeah, that would be one way. It's a yeah, that's a, gi- a giant dick turkey. That's what we're gonna go with. We're gonna call it the that's giant. The dick only turkey. way to describe it. All right, that's what it is for now on. Uh, and yet, uh, Sarah's back at school here, and uh, she is um, in the um, art department uh, because look at her. Obviously, she's in the art department on <laughs> this big curly haired chick with glasses, and she finds this box. And this box starts talking to her. This box, she's thinking to herself, she's like, one stupid box, these two stupid boxes. Like, I hate doing inventory. And this one box says, life sucks, huh? She's like, uh, what? She's like, down here, kiddo. And she's like, okay. And he's like, hey, hey, Sarah, I'm a magic piece of talking clay. <laughs> and she's like, right. He's like, no, no, really. I can help you if you just sneak me into Julie Winter's house. And she's like, well, how do you know about Julie? He's like, don't worry about that. I'm a magic piece of clay and I really need to go to Julie Winter's house. House. Uh, basically, Sarah's a fucking idiot. Like eventually like this is, you know, we go back and forth between Sarah talking to this box and uh, the pit and the max kind of bouncing between worlds. And, uh, but you know, eventually he does convince her to take this box to, to Julie's house. And I'm just thinking like, what a fucking moron. Sarah was never known for making good decisions. No, no, she really wasn't. And uh, she's not making I got another one here. So I, I'm just going to, we'll bounce back to her a few times, but basically it's, it's a number of interludes of her being slowly convinced by this box to take this box. It's talking to her saying she's, it's a magic piece of clay back to Julie's house. This is your friend, man. Like, I don't know. I, maybe you do want to know more about this fucking, what this magic boxes and magic clay's intentions are. But again, it's never good when women start talking to their boxes. It's these art students, you know, she just sees it as a work of art. So she's, she's all completely, completely flew past that remark. <laughs> oh, did I, did I miss a joke there? <laughs> yeah, I said, it's that, well, well, now it sounds, it sounds stupid if I have to say it again, explain it. It's yeah, never good. Wait women, it to hear it's it, never, so. it's never good when women talk to their boxes. Oh, there I, you're right. I did just completely gloss over that. That was good. I'm going to edit in a drum roll. Probably not though. Uh, meanwhile, we go back and we are on the, in, in the stairwell because again, when things are happening in the outback, they are also happening in the real world, sort of, or something. It's confusing. But uh, Pitt is looking for Timmy and he's chasing this kid who looks like Timmy. But we know because the reader can see it's actually an is. It's an is. It's an is. And he follows Timmy. Kind of looks like Kevin Hart. 
Who Pitt or the is? The is. That sounds racist. Moving on. Um, and, yeah, he's about the same height. And uh, so the is runs into this apartment and uh, Pitt t- appears in there and he's like, oh, hey, what did you do with Timmy again? He's talking to the Max. But suddenly everything changes. And now like that, the Max and Pitt are tiny. So now you have a tiny Pitt and a tiny Max in Julie's apartment uh, when suddenly they are attacked by a giant is. It's probably a regular size is, but because they are very tiny now for some reason uh it's a very very scary scary giant is so now they they both just start running away from this giant is uh even as tough as pit looks this is the second story in a row where max is just running away which i like because he's this like he, he's just this guy and like yeah he's got these claws and maybe he has powers we're not sure maybe he's strong but he's just a guy and if he's tiny i i think i think i know how to describe him okay perfectly he's a slapstick character he kind of is a slapstick character yeah i think that's fair that is very fair. Like you, I could definitely see like the Max crossing over with the Three Stooges or something. Oh like yeah, that. Or give he, me that he's one. a guest star on Scooby Doo. Give me that one, IDW. Give me the Max versus the Three Stooges. We're we're combining. You know, there's a book I want to. I actually borrowed it and hoop hoop looks. I haven't read it. It's a it's a Max and Batman crossover. I own that, and it is actually pretty fun. Cool. Well, I will. Uh, it's on my list. It's on my list of things to read. It's a good Sunday read. Uh, yeah, but like I said, they, we keep, count, keep bouncing back to Sarah talking to this box. It eventually tells her, like, hey, everyone has a spirit animal. Like, you you need to have a spirit animal. He's like, maybe yours is a horse. What do you think about that? So he's, he's basically convincing her. And, I mean, I gloss over things here. Like, I'm, I'm talking about the story, but, like, I should I should probably pause to stop, like, about how awesome <laughs> Sam Key's art is. Like, he can really go through various different styles. He can make the Max look cartoony. He can, um, you know, he goes back to his, like, sort of normal Max style. And then he always interludes these, like, beautiful, like, when when the the magical box is talking to julie talking about this horse creature we get these like interspersed images of this like magnificent looking horse creature but it's all very done in like this very i don't even know how to describe it it's just fucking cool and it's just fucking awesome and uh and um you know as we discussed sam keith got to start on the early issues of sandman and there's a very similar kind of style obviously it's the same artist so of course there's similar styles there but they did a lot of similar stuff where it almost feels like the style changes part way but the style always changes to match like the tone and match the feel of things and i think he's just he's really one of the more underrated artists i mean maybe he's rated highly i don't know i mean I, but i you don't you just don't hear his name that often in the conversation and you really should be I, I think it's because for some weird reason i don't think it was necessarily his artwork but i think it was necessarily the stories he was on because he never really got one of those big titles like mm-hmm. as much as we all like spawn as as long as i'm sorry as much as we all love like you know spawn the reason why we really know about Todd McFarlane is because of what he did on the Hulk and Spider-Man. Right. And same goes for all these other artists, you know, uh, Eric Larson, Rob Liefeld. They were always great, but would they have had the followings they had if they had not started with a Marvel or DC book? Now, don't get me wrong. DC, uh, Sandman published by DC at the time dc book but it was not one of their top selling books at the time sandman got a cult following after it started getting put in trade back when graphic novels became a thing so i feel like it's it's slowly really starting to catch up now that's why thanks to the sandman audible books and what we're about to see on the sandman netflix series i think we might be hearing his name a bit more often especially as those old trade backs sell so i think it's just about when it came out and how people have begun to really come over to it over time 
Yep, I think you're right. And like, yeah, like you said, if if Channing Tatum or whatever is going to do a max, maybe that will bring some more attention to these originals uh, because they they really deserve the attention. I mean, this is Sam Keith. Is, you can just tell he just loves. He, like this is his passion and project, and it's it's so easy to see how that comes across here. It makes you realize how lazy modern artists are. Oh, totally. In the yeah. comic book industry, like, they're so lazy. Eight panels here, and we'll just keep drawing them out. And like, I mean, and that look that for, splash page, splash page, splash page. Yeah, I mean, that's the way he lays out panels is is so unique. Um. It, it's really, I want. I don't want to say unlike anything I've ever seen in comics. That might be an exaggeration, but it's certainly it's certainly very different than than, than your it's standard. It's art are. in motion on paper. That's a great way to put it. Uh, speaking of motion, we see. Uh, I really find this money this funny line. Uh, like the Max is like hiding under something. It's hard to see what it is. Uh, and Mac and Pitt's like yelling at him. He's like, Max, stop hiding and run. <laughs> stop hiding and run. Uh, and Max is like, Well, Max does not hide. Max is resting beneath the decaying body of this small airwell. <laughs> airwell. So like when Max in the real world. World, he see he thinks everything is something else that exists in the outback just like he called mako a land shark it's just like a thing with the max but anyway they're still running away from this giant is they they jump into the sink and they end up swimming in the the giant sink leg at one point um and then the max grabs a knife and is like trying to battle the is with this knife the giant is he stabs the is right in the freaking head and which is actually like the most action we've seen and most offense we've seen from the max i think in this entire series uh he jumps on the is and st- stabs it in the skull and he says he pushed max too far and pits like will you run uh you know max it's been real interesting meeting you and then they go they're still they're still kind of running from this thing um they try to push a bookshelf onto the is but that doesn't kill it but it busts through the bookshelf like nothing is killing this thing uh but then finally um and and at the same time now sarah is bringing that box uh up to uh up to max's apartment basically and she like pushes in she pushes in the door and she's talking to the box she's like will you shut up i don't even know why i'm doing this like my world sucks but at least it's kind of normal and once i get rid of you she basically just wants this thing to shut the fuck up i could just left it school but whatever uh and uh she comes into the max's apartment or julie's apartment i should say and sees the mag tiny max tiny pit have this like is totally wrapped up again in telephone cords uh sam keith has a thing with telephone cords I i don't know what it is weird fetish if you ask me um yeah but she just kind of backs away and the box is talking to her it's like sarah Sarah, you stop talking, Sarah. I can't hear you. Uh, I'm inside, right? Uh, you, haven't, you haven't played a joke on old Mr. Clay, have you? You better not have Sarah. And he's just screaming as she walks away. Then we head back to the Outback and we see Julie is talking to this uh, little box as the giant, what do you call it? The giant turkey dick? <laughs> that giant weird creature that looks like a giant cross between a giant penis and turkey is, is there sort of uh, a dick creature thing. The giant dick creature thing is slowly um, uh, like slugging its way towards her while she is talking to what we now see revealed which matches the word balloons that we've seen been seeing for a couple a couple issues here a very very tiny mr gone uh who, is he naked he does appear to be naked yes and uh she doesn't see him yet he's kind of in there we just see, like see him thinking about uh th- you know her commentary because she's just like oh what a funny little house this is just like the one i made of, out of clay and popsicle sticks when i was a little girl and he's thinking like she, oh shit she's starting to remember now it's too soon if we all return to normal i'll probably end up without a head because she chopped his head off uh but if i nail that thing with a poison dart it'll buy me some time uh so julie is like he's like oh i remember now i was a jungle queen ruler of a vast domain and whenever evil appeared i would fight it it's just like i remember it and he's like he's really freaking out because he doesn't want her to remember and then he then she says and i had a pet bunny but he died interesting knowing that the max has this fear that he is in fact a dead bunny or not a bunny but he's he's in fact a bunny just something to think about um and but anyway mr gone as this thing is creeping up behind her he's like no time no time's left i gotta do it now and then suddenly as this creature is about to take a swing at julie um well 
suddenly we cut away because now we're going back. We're, we're back to the pit and the max. So we'll get back to them. Uh, but yeah, pit and max are basically, we are now in the outback and kind of up on this ledge with all these is around them, which are actually to, to pit. They appear as Timmy, a bunch of Timmy's and he's like, Timmy, they're all Timmy, but where are, where are Timmy's eyes? And none of them have eyes. And the max is like, what snap out of it, pit. He's like, look, grab my hand, pull me up off this thing. There are just so many out there. Just stop standing there and saying, just saying Timmy over and over. And we just hear, we just see that the pit pit just says kill. And that is the end of issue seven, a literal cliffhanger. I wonder if that was on purpose. It's literally a cliffhanger. This episode as it, damn it. Here we go again episodes episodes have you talked to somebody about that like is this triggering some type of childhood trauma i'm afraid it might be the max is making me think that maybe the issues and episodes are just my own issues i'm playing them and my own past episodes playing themselves out in my subconscious in my own outback um but what do you think so far of this wacky wacky doodle crossover with pit as we head into our uh, the final issue here I really like it when some characters team up. I think other team ups in certain books sometimes water down the main character because the artist wants to play with some other IP. But uh, I mean, this is just a really fun story and not just this past issue. I've enjoyed the last three issues we've gone over. So I'm excited to cap it off with the next one. Yeah, and I don't really care about Pitt at all. Like, Pitt doesn't do anything for me here, but he also, it's almost like, I, I know Pitt is more of like a serious character, I think, but that almost makes it work better for me because Pitt is this like big, scary. He's the opposite dude. of a Max in, in a personality sense exactly. because they look like they could be, you know, mono e mono the same, but personality wise, I mean, the Max is running and the Pitt wants to fight and everything else. I, 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 I it's very slapstick like, which yes. is why I appreciate about it because yeah. it doesn't lean too hard into it. But it's such a 90s style indie book. You can't help but not love it. Yeah, exactly. And it, it really does. This combo actually really works for me, which is surprising. I mean, this is, I think this might literally be, maybe there's been some image crossover that I read at some point, but as far as I can remember, this is like the only time I've really read something with Pitt in it. And it's not that Pitt impresses me, but it's just, I feel like, I feel like I would not enjoy anything else. Pitt is in he most adds to the story. He does. Yes. And yeah. uh, I guess much like Eric Larson, like he, like this didn't have to be Pitt, but he made it work with Pitt with what Pitt is. So, you know, it works for me. I feel like he could have been sa- I feel like he could have been Savage Dragon. It could I mean, have been, with the whole Timmy but... element, they could have found another, like Timmy's a MacGuffin in the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that actually, so Eric Larson also did a crossover with the max in his book. I'm not sure if that was, I feel like it might've been one of the issues we looked at, um, because we, but I buzzed through like 27 issues in that episode somehow. Uh, but yeah, I, and they actually do go on like an adventure in the outback. So, um, I don't know maybe that's more, we already saw this, so we're not going to do Savage Dragon again. Cause I, I, I agree that could have fit really well as well. Especially since they introduced him for just like a, a panel. Yeah, yeah. Like we did, he, they, they could have you just tied it right in. They could have just had him still in town, and then you know this whole thing happens. But whatever, it's fine. We're trying to get exposure to more books. Um, yeah. But going into issue eight, Max issue eight, um, we're just getting some kind of like um, uh, um, internal monologue from Sarah now, as she is at this giant horse statue that's uh, like I guess like exists in here and um it's really crazy creepy looking but she's just kind of sitting there like all right when's this thing gonna talk to me like is this my spirit animal maybe if i sit and stare at this horse enough uh i'll understand more and i'll I'll be able to find myself or whatever i'm trying to do here uh we go back to the outback as we left a cliffhanger there a couple cliffhangers in the outback last time but here we see julie and she just kills this creature she turns around and throws a spear through this freaking thing and giant turkey dick creature 
slowly dies. And there's a really, again, they work out these really funny lines in here. Uh, like Mr. Gone is, is like, he's climbed out of this little house now and he's like, yikes, that little cream filled blint is going to, is going native. I better book it. Like he's like, shit, she's, she's, she's not just Julie now. She's the fucking jungle queen. And last time he encountered the jungle queen, he got his head chopped off. So he's not interested in really hanging around to see what happens here. But there's a, a funny line here. They're like, they're describing what this, this creature is finally. And it's not giant turkey dick. It's Malachi, terrible spectacled stalker of the plane. And until this morning the greatest giant in the outback has time for but one thought sharp stick it says in quotes he thinks he says sharp stick he thinks and dies <laughs> which i just found so hilarious okay so so hear me out yeah in certain panels when they show him from certain angles he looks very phallic mm-hmm. and julie is a ultra feminist mm-hmm. and this is her self-conscious and notice how mr gone the evil rapist who she, you know, cut off his head in the last volume mm-hmm. is back. So what if this is all a feminist wet dream? Um, that's not the direction I thought you were going with, but but we'll just move on from there, I think. Oh, um, by I mean, slaying the dick creature, she's overcoming her fears of dick. I mean, yeah, I don't think it is. I don't think it's unintentional, the, the phallic nature of things. I mean, I, we're joking about it, but I, I do think there is something there uh, because that is kind of, you know, she would, we'll, we'll find out the full origin at some point down this road. Um, maybe Jeffrey's next uh, episode, he'll put us back on some more Max, but uh, this does all tie in and sort of make sense in the end eventually. Uh, so you see, it's the Dick cinematic universe <laughs> inside Dick's, her head. Dick cinematic universe. Yeah. Inside Julie's Dick cinematic universe. Yeah. The Julie verse. Um, yeah. Basically um, then she does see Mr. Gone. Um, so she grabs this tiny Mr. Gone. He's like, crap. And he's like, you, I always knew you weren't dead. Now I want the truth. And he's like, talk to Descartes, toots. <laughs> I just love these little lines and references to philo- philosophers. Toots, toots. I believe you pronounce that toots in the old school days. Uh, meanwhile, back in Julie's apartment, somehow Max and Pitt have managed to, uh, they've managed to tie up. That's kind of weird. They, they kind of left us like with like, it seemed like Pitt was about to kill Max or something while he's hanging on the ledge. And then suddenly they have the is tied up in the apartment. So that, that was a little bit felt like a weird continuity issue. I'm just going to blame it on outback real world transition problems, but that seemed a little odd to me because suddenly they just have this is tied up and they're just talking about what to do with them. And Max is like, well, we got to get rid of this thing. Like I got a plan. So like, all right, what are we going to do? So they basically they take this is and like bring it out to this balcony on this like board. And they're kind of like balancing out of this like table, this bench. And they're, they're basically trying to send this is overboard but again the is breaks free starts biting clamps at pit grabs pit's pants with its teeth and uh pit's just like no max well whatever you do don't don't let go and then max lets go of this table and then the giant is and the tiny pit fly off uh i believe never to be never to be seen again so that was pit for you everybody um basically now the max is like and the max is kind of talking to himself in julie's apartment he's like brother pit looked mad as he sailed away uh, and then we hear a voice saying uh, who's out there i can hear someone max are, are you out there max i'm still locked in the bathroom so i guess julie's been in the bathroom this entire time uh that, that tiny max and tiny pit have been uh have been playing around with this is he's like you got to come save me max and he says i'm coming julie and you see tiny max is crawling under the bathroom door at the same time we also see some close-ups of this box that that sarah brought in and uh we see that the as he's crawling through the door his mask has, has gotten knocked off his tiny mask so it bounces away and uh she's you hear julie's voice we see julie's voice uh you hear podcasts you read comics again okay and um yes mark <laughs> yes progress bring us home and we hear the voice we see the voice we read the voice whatever you do it says you're a you're a 
oh god and so we don't know exactly what she sees but then we head back to the outback where we see what appears to be like a, a corpse of of some kind i think it's the corpse of maybe that is and now Pitt is back he's back there in the outback um so you know max is like oh wow i'm, I'm sure i'm glad you snapped out of it and pulled me up at the last second and Pitt's like yeah me too and he's like so i guess and i guess like different things are happening it seems like are happening in the outback than are happening um out here but basically uh Pitt and max are like cool that's over and max hops on a whale shark uh, not a whale shark a um what is this this is called a uh air whale he hops on an air whale which in the real world is like usually a blimp when they sh- when they show the the outback and the real world back to back uh so he takes off uh meanwhile we see sarah still just sitting by this horse thing waiting for it to freaking talk to her or tell her something uh there's several pages of her just talking to the horse thing back to julie's apartment we see max's tiny mask on the floor and we see some dialogue julie's saying like max did you always like under the mask i mean and we do see images of a bunny again so it's like so is is he really a bunny under the mask i don't know and she says is this the secret why why you were sent here or is this some kind of awful joke like for god's sake max answer me and then we see uh we see like this thing on the floor and we see julie talking she's like what are you doing to me she's she's holding mr gone here so we're kind of blurring between the real world and the outback as she's now in the bathroom it says uh, with that twisted leering long-eared and here he here he and this is like a a narration the, the lamp and then we see this lamp and he's like the, the spray of water drops over the slick blue surface the pain the blood and mr gone says we're showing i'm showing you the truth and we see what looks like the mask the max is like teeth and his purple uh like his purple hue but they're the bottom of a lamp and the lamp is on the ground knocked over so yeah, the lampshade so is the max just a lampshade or something or is he a bunny we don't really know but it, it, they do imply here that like maybe the max is just this fucking lampshade that julie talks to this whole time i don't know um yeah but uh basically uh at the end here julie and and mr gone are talking here and you know julie's like stop this it hurts like i don't want to see this and he's like yeah i thought this is what you wanted did you see did you see behind the mask and she's say how did you know how did you know know about everything it's like well very simple a part of me projected a part of me is projected into the other world uh into your home i'm there right now listening so obviously he is you know what's what's in this box he says that's how i know that the outback is getting smaller smaller and smaller and smaller while the world of the city is growing it's all unbalanced when he spoke to your other selves yesterday you damaged the barriers i'd explain more but you have a nasty habit of cutting off my head when i tell you the truth so do you want to know why you're so afraid of wet blue and she just says shut up and fucking kills him again <laughs> kills kills tiny Mr. i Bond love a little again. blood spatter which yeah, there's tiny blood splatter just shooting off and she just <laughs> she basically just crushes tiny mr gone again so once again mr gone at least in the outback this tiny it's hilarious it really is and then we see kind of in the outback version max is hopping off this air whale jumps on uh, air whale jumps and is hanging out on this rock with julie while all these tiny is around her but then back in the real world turns out they're just sitting on a mailbox <laughs> so and max makes a funny line he's like wait so does that mean i was just riding on a good year blimp this whole time when i thought i was on when i was on an air whale it's just kind of a funny reference to the fact they always show blimps and air whales at the same time obviously he wasn't really riding on a blimp or was he? I have no fucking idea. But that's what makes the Max fun and weird. Uh, just so having Sarah is there because she was just there, you know, trying to uh, you know figure out things with her horse. I gave up on that and came by Julie's apartment maybe to maybe to pick up that fucking weird talking box she left there. Um, but yeah, um, she and Julie's like she kind of helping Julie down. She's like, man, I'm sure I think I almost killed somebody. She's like, oh, yeah, sure you did. Whatever. When you're feeling better, I want to tell you about this horse. And she's like, horse? What, what about this horse? Um, and then, where's um, Pitt? Pitt's just gone. He took off. Yeah, he, in the he, real he world, off. he fell out the wind. Tiny Pitt fell out the window. Right. Um, but yeah, that's just it. And then uh, 
basically at the end here, this, we see some close-ups of this box. So we have an idea that Mr. Gons is in this box somehow, or some aspect of Mr. Gon is in this box. And then we get one more page of Julie, and she is back one more time, sitting by this weird horse sculpture, thinking and talking. And she is just saying to herself, like, you know, so here I am again, Mr. Ed. This is the third week. She, like, every week she's been coming back to this horse. Suddenly it happens. In a single voice, the horse's voice reveals everything. It's not about the clay or a horse. It's not about anyone in school, mom, dad, Julie, or even the Max. Oh, God, I feel like oh, my it's Sarah. It's, yeah, it's, it's Sarah. What did I call her? He called her Julie. Oh, yeah, it's Sarah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, God, I feel like my insides are burning, turning to jelly. I'm starting to shake, letting my guard down too fast. I need time. It's too much ripping right through me. Maybe that's why I'm crying. Crying. It's all so real now. It's all so real. So this horse spirit creature or whatever has also revealed some truths to, to Sarah as well, um, all of which will become more clear as we proceed down through the max, but we will not be proceeding down the max any further today. Cause that's all we've been tasked with by Jeffrey to look at the max. Uh, it's actually, this is the maximized version, which I think was just recolored volume two uh, with issues five to eight. So that being said, let's just dive right in. Remzo, let's get your thoughts. Uh, volume one really raised my standard for how I was going to grade things. Uh, you know, overall many, many episodes later up until now. Um, it it captures a lot of that same fun that I remember from the first volume, but it doesn't quite meet all those areas. I'm going to definitely say um, the, the artwork is probably my, my favorite part about it. And I, I get a little bit frustrated because it's like you could see so much work went into the layouts, went into how he's changing his style, depending on where the story is taking it. I, I got to give the story a 4.5 because even by today's modern standards, it's still remarkably better than so many other books that are out on the stands right now. Um, you know, it wasn't just better than a lot of the stuff on the stands then. It is genuinely just so much better than what we have today. And you'd think that, you know, artists would try harder now since more people are into this genre, but that doesn't always seem to be the case. I'm giving the art a 4.5. The story was still really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it feels very true into itself, even when they bring in other characters like Savage Dragon for a quick appearance or Mako, as we saw for a whole issue. And even with Pit, I think the Pit subplot was kind of all over the place. I wasn't a big fan of it, but I mean, I, I love the Max. Julie is always just such a fun character. I'm giving the story a four out of five. I'm giving it a total score of an 8.5 out of 10. Not too shabby. Um, I'm, I'm pretty close with you here. And, um, you know, again, to start with the art, I mean, I've, I've been spent this uh, episode praising Sam Keith. I actually think it's one of the most underrated artists. Like I'm, I'm only back and forth on 4.5 or five. And, I can't really argue with the five. I'm trying to find a flaw. I'm trying to find something that I would knock it down for. To me, this is so unique, so perfect. And even with such a crazy story um, and so many things happening, I'm never confused about what's going on, which to me really speaks strongly to the art because this is the kind of crazy story where so many different things are happening. They're bouncing between the real world, different scenes. Oh, are we in the outback? Are we not? And it still always visually, it's always visually unique. And he always has really interesting things uh, with the different panels, uh, with the different art styles he incorporates, but it always just works seamlessly. And I think that's just something that's so incredible. I mean, the fact that in the same issue, we saw these like beautifully, like almost like painted drawings of these like horse creatures. And then we also see the, this cartoony version of the Max. Uh, I'm just extremely there impressed. There was the by, Dick by Turkey it. thing. The Dick Turkey. I mean, um, I, I think I'm going to give the art a five. Like, I really, I, I'm finding no flaws with this personally, uh, as far as my standards go. So I give the art a five. Uh, I'm going to use the Remzo standard a little bit as far as the writing goes. Like, this isn't 
Well, I don't know. Is it good for new readers? Like, is the max ever good for is issue one any more good for a new reader? Probably not. And it, it's not it's not the writing's fault if you started at issue five. Uh, so I don't think I can really knock it for being any more confusing than it already is. And it's supposed to be because that's kind of what this is. It's it's supposed to be crazy. It's supposed to be weird. It's supposed to be like, wait, are we're supposed to be questioning like what, what's happening in the Outback? That is it really happening. But that's like part of the fun of this is like figuring out what's going on, uh, what these things really mean, what the meaning of the Outback is and what these different things represent. And like it's the kind of story. Story, you could not think too much about you could just have fun with it and take the slapstickiness of it or you could kind of delve into the deeper psychological like topics coming you know, that, that are brought up here um, and there's just so much here there's so much depth to it I find myself talking my score up as I speak to you live um, I, I think the only knock I'm going to give is that I don't know maybe like a lot I feel like maybe a lot of time was wasted with just chasing me, me running away from Mako like maybe something more, more substance could have been done there Um like there again, was a lot more filler in this one. It felt I a little felt. more fillery, but it was like still fun filler. So I don't want to knock it down too much for that. So I'm going to give the writing a 4.5. And that brings me to a total of 9.5 for this run of the max. I am freaking loving the max. Uh, and I, I loved it that back then. And I'm just, I'm loving this chance and I'm loving doing this show, which is giving me the impetus to go back and read stuff that I don't know if I would have, I'd like to think eventually I'd go back and read it, but you know, doing this show, thanks to you. Thanks to Jeffrey. Thanks to all our patrons. I am pushed towards rereading this stuff and I'm really, really enjoying it. So I think out of all the, the comics I've revisited that I used to love as a kid i'm enjoying the max the most because it really is oh yeah a revisit and it's really the, it's almost like a, a diamond the first in the rough yeah. yeah it's definitely it is the diamond in the rough for sure um so that that brings us to a total spc score for the max volume two to 18 18 yeah wait no you gave yeah. it 8.5 is that right yeah okay yeah 18 uh which is stellar it's about as good as you can fucking get around here um so i mean this is obviously a very highly recommend i would of course recommend read i would not start at issue five um doesn't necessarily make it less confusing, but I would still start at issue one. So you have some idea of who these characters are. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is an absolute recommend. Yeah. Um, th- this is definitely one of those books where it's like, I-, I would have never picked it up had we not done this show. And I know that you and I had discussed wanting to eventually get back to volume two, continuing the story, especially since it is a shorter series. I think it got less than 20 issues in print and a uh, uh, Max and Friends like spinoff or something like that. Yeah. It-, 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 it was only a couple of years in terms of publication. But, uh, you know, thank you, Jeffrey, for picking this. I know it is your, uh, you know, one of your favorite stories, but I really really was just happy that someone was like you know we gotta keep this going because i sure as hell enjoyed it a year later i'm still loving you know following up with the story indeed same thing so uh we already pretty much uh, plugged the patreon pretty heavily i don't think we need to go back to that so i would just thank you all for being here thank you for being uh with us from the beginning next week we're gonna do something a little different again the fourth wednesday of the month is usually our potpourri where we talk pop, pop culture tv movies we are going to do that but in a slightly different format we're going to do an SBC, the first ever SPC year end awards. I'm very excited. Rem. So you're going to, you going to dress up in a tuxedo or what? I, uh, I, I mean, there's gotta be champagne at minimum. Oh, We're going we to have to literally drink out. champagne. I will. Yes. The thing is, the problem is I'm in Mexico. Champagne is really hard. There's no cheap champagne here. Like the cheapest okay, champagne get, is get like some tequila bucks. and Sprite. Yeah. I'll, I'll do a, or I'll get some, I'll get something sparkly. All right. Let's put it that way. That works. <laughs> something I pretend is champagne, but um, yeah, I think the only thing I would ask it, you know, is um, if you are a fan of this program, if you enjoy what we do, just take a minute out of your day. 
two minutes max head over to apple podcast leave us a five-star rating and a great review there that just does wonders uh for us uh for for the algorithm for more people finding us when they search for comic book podcast and that sort of thing so that's the easiest simplest way and cheapest way you can help us out remzo any last words folks be good be great and as always just remember if there's nothing else you do there's one thing we can all do together it's read comics and change the world. Change the world. Good night, America. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>